The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we work very, very hard, week in and week out, for, golly, 20 years now, to make sure that you have the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And in, in preparation for talking to today's guest, I was I was literally just sitting here thinking about how much just plain old technology has changed the real estate investing business since we first went on the air. Well, I, for one thing, the first, I don't know, three or four years that the show was on the air, I would leave every time with a cassette tape of the program because that was how that was how it was archived. And then for a while it was those little, um, what did you, what were those mini discs? Yeah. Which I think I still have a bunch of, and I don't even think a player exists for them anymore. Oh, you have one. Bring in that first show. I don't know. I don't know. Bring them in and you can put them all on some other media that will be, you know, useless 10 years from now. And, you know, at the same time in the real estate business, we've gone from advertising in the newspaper for, leads and to find tenants to mostly going online to do those things and from uh, you know a situation where if you wanted to hire a human being to do something that was like you know rote that you didn't want to do it because it took a lot of time and it was just doing the same thing over and over again like I don't know, deduping spreadsheets, deduping sheets of leads, things like that. You you had to f- you had to put an ad in the paper and find a human being who lived in your backyard to do that for you. And now, of course, we can hire people from all over the world just by going online and hiring virtual assistants. And the thing is, um, I know, and I'm sure a lot of you guys know, a lot of landlords who are still operating like it was 1999. And uh, I don't know why that particular business in a lot of ways has just, it, it's not that the its not that the resources aren't there to make some of the stuff that you do a lot easier. It's that a lot of people just kind of, you know, they got in the habit and they, keep doing things the way they've always done them and they listen to other landlords with a lot of experience and those landlords say oh yeah I keep all of my tenants on a spreadsheet and it's great until the day I accidentally missort the spreadsheet and I mix up who's living in what unit and what their rent is so we're doing a show today about maybe taking the landlording business a little further down the path of 
technology and organization and help and actual actual passiveness not not the not the passiveness we talk about at our RIA groups about oh I like passive income so I own rentals really how many times have you visited your rentals in the last month 37 uh, how how is that passive my guest today to help us uh, discuss this important topic is Stephen Van Cowenberg who is from uh, Oklahoma and is uh, is uh, 45 years old owns 280 doors uh, some we'll, we'll get into the the mix of those here in a minute but some some are apartments but lot, some of them are just residential properties and some commercial properties and who has uh, sort of over there on his own in Oklahoma made his investments like really as close to passive as they can be if you're going to be the owner of them and we're going to discuss with him some of his tips and tricks for uh, doing that and y'all ought to be taking notes unless you're driving don't take notes in your car <laughs> it, unless you're driving you should be taking notes and uh, I, I think you're probably going to get some things today that would help you make your rental business a lot easier so joining us from his home is Steve Van Cowenberg Steve welcome yes. to Real Life Real Estate always a pleasure I, I was telling my wife why do I have to be on the phone at this exact time for this length of time I'm like I had I idolized Vena Cox for years. <laughs> I don't know if you I saw you speak and just your passion back then. I was trying to explain to my wife. I'm like, we're a lot alike. She's a go getter, getting it done. She's been in real estate her whole life, and uh, you, you're not afraid to tackle new things and and throw giant RIA parties or national summits or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Um, I'm I'm just just enamored by you and what you've done in, in your career and this even wouldn't exist if it wasn't for your labor in the front end and I appreciate that I get to capitalize on all that hard work that people have no idea what it takes to do what you do so thank you Vina Actually, and that wasn't trying to you just you, know, you anyway. just you just gave me a great idea I'm really hoping that the the folks back at the office who actually you know mostly run the national summit just heard that because I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to instruct them right now. We're going to rename it the giant Rita Ria party. That's what we're going to call it from now on. It's going to be the giant Ria party. Yeah, it, it is for <laughs> me. I mean, I go, uh, uh, Brad Grayson said, man, you got to come to this thing just to, and, and all my wonderful people, friends that I've met have been up there and just throughout the year when I'm struggling on a bed bug problem, I can call another realtor, I mean, another landlord that has dealt with it. Mm-hmm. But let's just get into, you got me so excited about the technology. I here's, here's a new piece of technology that I just recently used that should help our listeners uh, be passive in a way. I love the way you said it, where yeah, you want to be passive in income and you want to create a system to run. And I just notarized some documents all virtually and it was legally binding and it was the coolest thing it's called notarize.com n-o-t-a-r-i-z-e.com and it's 25 dollars to notarize a document and so i was in florida on vacation and i needed these documents notarized and they sent me a link i had to download this app and then i clicked all these buttons and then it it ran my social like who I was, my identity somehow, like on my four-digit um, social, my last four. And then all of a sudden I click a button and a human being 
like FaceTime me in some app and said, are you Mr. Van Kalenberg? Yes. And they, we need to do, and they legally notarized my documents wow. why I was on vacation. And it, it was only $25. And I was like, man, the, the power that you can do, like you can be at home and do transactions. And, you know, of course I've pre-closed or, you know, FedEx documents to close, but an emergency notary uh, over the night. I had um, no idea that things could be yeah. notarized. <laughs> like, like no, if you, if, yeah, some, if, if someone, well, I'll, you know, coming up, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down even more. I got a lot of technology I've been using lately um, to just to do a lot more soft touches. Like that's a that's a touch where I don't want to. Who wants to be a no? You know, run to the to the bank to get something notarized and get questioned on these documents. Why are you writing, you know, when I'm doing a subject to, let's say, and I really, you know, explaining, I don't know if you've ever been a notary. Why are you signing these documents? What's the purpose of this transaction? I'm like, who are you and why are you asking? But I just, I just, my mind goes ballistic on, on that. I can virtually notarize any document for $25. I mean, it's, it's amazing what you can do with technology. Yeah, and actually, actually, Stephen, let's 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 back up a second because mm. the the introduction I gave for you was very like basic. I just basically read it off the National uh, Summit site, and uh, <laughs> and I, I want to as we as we talk more about some of the systems and people and tech you have in place, I want I want folks to kind of understand what the what the scope of your your business really is. You have an apartment building that isn't even in the same state as you. So that one's, I assume, managed completely passively by, I mean, you watch the manager, but somebody else deals with all of yeah. that. Well, the, the, I, can, I, I can give you my infrastructure. Yeah, well, and sometimes, what are the, sometimes look, look, the phone c- cuts out, so I miss a couple of things there. But again, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, that, that's okay. The, um, the, uh, the question is of your other units that are not the apartment building. Mm-hmm. What kind of what is the makeup of them? Are they are they single families? Or are they multifamilies? Yeah. What what are they? What's so that like? So I okay in Oklahoma City, I have a hundred structures, and out of that hundred structures is a hundred and forty type units, and it's a mix of a few duplexes, um, some the apartments, and then also some commercial units that we we count those as units because that's how our software runs them. Mm-hmm. And so probably 80% of those are single-family homes. And out of those 80, probably 60% of those are Mm -hmm. low-income. And then my infrastructure is I have one property manager and one general manager that manages the property manager. And that's basically my whole infrastructure. And then I have another 140 units in Orange, Texas, which is completely passive. It's a syndication deal where, you know, you just throw money into a transaction and reap the benefits of equity and, you know, you get dividends from, mm-hmm. you know, the loan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, so, so basically your setup in Oklahoma City is one that for a normal landlord right. would literally be a 40-hour-a-week job. Yeah, well, it just, in systems in place, like, one thing is, is like, we, we don't really communicate with the tenant unless it's like some kind of a major situation or an inspection, but 
like I posted on Facebook today that like, hey, there are Dropbox where you drop off your money order. And we still do it kind of old school on that side of things because we do have some low income tenants. Hey, if you're paying your your rent today is the fifth, make sure you add your $50 in there. I mean, we're constantly communicating with our tenant through the mail or through text messaging and not the, the, the time drain of, I think, landlords in general is on the phone or follow up. We just clarify everything as fast and as efficient as possible on the front end. For example, if we're going to send a plumber out there, you're going to pay for it. And here's the reasons why. And so we don't get the plumbing calls or like we sent out a notice today in Oklahoma, it's 102 degrees and people are like, my AC is not working. Well, we have a notice that we emailed out that stated if your temperature is less than 20 degrees of outside temperature, you're doing good. The the AC machine is working as best, as fast as it can. It can't, you know, it's a, there's a terminology for HVAC that you can't cool something cooler than it is outside because the circle, the air recycle, you know, recycles. And so we just try to emphasize educating the tenant as much as possible from changing your air filter out to spraying your watering, your condenser to trimming the trees. And that's how we can keep it as passive as possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Steven, we need to take a quick break. I want to uh, invite listeners who might have questions about how you run all of these units with so little of your own time involved at 877-772-9658. That's our number here in the studio, 877-772-9658. Or you can also send questions to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Stephen Van Cowenberg, who is a landlord in Oklahoma City with a lot of properties and good systems for running them that we would all benefit from. I don't know. We would all benefit from just spending some time nailing down the system so we didn't have to keep doing the same work over and over and over again. So, Stephen, you said you have two major people that run your business. One mm-hmm. is a property manager and the other one is a general manager. Uh, how much time would you say you spend in a given month? I mean, obviously, when you run a business, you manage the managers. But sure. but how much how much time do you spend personally, like, dealing with rental property stuff? You know, on just if it's not something that's a major situation, like, I don't know, like we're having a problem with the city, but probably an hour a week to two hours maximum. I, I meet on Mondays. My general manager, she's about 55 years old. She's like a, a very high detailed um, type of person that's like a whippersnapper, and she manages the manager, and she hires the contractors and just kind of facilitates that but she's extremely detailed and no nonsense Mm -hmm. so that would be the best term i meet with her like monday mornings just to make sure we're all on the same page she's off on wednesdays and then i try to circle back with her on thursday and so about 30 minute each meeting depending on if we're trying to recycle our portfolio like if we have someone moving out should we we do a cost analysis or uh, what's our cash on cash return if we were to refinance it? We we talk about that. Sometimes that could take an hour. Sometimes that could take 30 minutes. Just depends. She preps all that stuff. So when I walk in there, she has the spreadsheet printed out, and we just discuss 
you know, why are we, uh, what happened, what happened to the tenant, why, why is it vacant, um, how much money do we need to put in it, and then we just analyze that one particular deal. It could be like this week we only had one house, last week we had three houses, and, and we try to keep them in there as long as possible, and then we just move on to the decisions that we need to make. And, and she has authority to spend about $2,000 and below without asking me any questions. If it's over 2000 which is usually a new HVAC system or a roof or some kind of mechanical situation, then we'll talk about that on the Monday or Thursday. And then the property manager under her, she can make pretty much a decision, you know, $500 or below. And like if she needs to order a printer or anything that she needs, she has full control. And what I found is like I'm in the way because I'm the way I do it is totally different because, you know, I'm a little bit younger but they, I let them run the domain and, you know, if they don't like someone, like someone came into the office and started cursing, um, we, we just evicted that person. We just said, Hey, we're not renewing you're you're out. And so I try to keep it as lean and as system. And my, my data is that we're running 140 units with a kind of a part-time general manager and a full-time property manager and we're at 50% capacity. I feel like I could take on another 100 units or more. Um, and like they, they, the, prop, the general manager comes in at 6 in the morning and she leaves about 1 every day. And my property manager, she comes in about 8 o'clock and she leaves about 2 o'clock. But like today, I sent her to a commercial property to assess that. And I, she left at 1.30 and she drove by another property. We don't show prop. We don't show units. We use lock boxes, and we just try to scale as much as possible our time, and just use best use of our time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So these two, I guess they're both ladies. Um, yes. They 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 get paid what and how? Like are they are they paid a salary or are they paid by? They're, yeah, they're like okay. So the the, the general manager has been with me for six years, and so she gets a regular salary. These are contracted people because they. We, we, they understand how taxes work and they create their own expenses. And so they kind of make their own hours. And so it's just a benefit for us, uh, for me as an entrepreneur, and it's a benefit for them for tax deductions, uh, for mileage and the things that they have to get done. They get a kind of a base pay. And then I incentivize the general manager, any new business that we bring into the company, she gets receives a percentage of that, just basically a profit sharing the regular property manager, she gets like uh, stipends. Like if she rents a house, she automatically gets an extra hundred dollars. We just her 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 pay is about twelve dollars an hour. That's the property manager. And oh, I'm sorry about. Can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, and woman, you know, I give her like if she wants to go clean a house. I leave $150 or $200 to clean a house, and I give her the and I was cleaning the building. Hey, Stephen, 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 hang on a second. We are suddenly having trouble with your line. It's like it's it's like it's getting voipy. Like you kind of like we hear you go really really fast from it, and then it goes. So, oh, okay. It it was fine up until a minute ago, and it seems okay now. You guys want to call me? Do you think, want to call me back, or I think it's being okay now. We if we if it happens again, what we'll do is we'll go to a break and we'll we'll call back. But it sounds like it's okay now. So what we got was.
property manager, 12 bucks an hour, also gets $100 when she rents up a unit and then might get extra money for doing extra things. And then we were on the general manager. Right. And the general manager is like my, my nucleus. She's like, all, she basically, in my mind, she's the CEO. I try to run it where like, I don't, it's like we're a nucleus and it's a team effort. It's not like a, it's a hierarchy that's with my, my general manager. Her name is Liz and everything flows through her, runs through her. She's that type of personality, wants to know everything, wants to be in control, kind of like Avina Cox. No, I'm just like, except detail oriented. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so, and so I just let her make those decisions. And yes, has she made decisions that didn't go well? Have we lost money? But when I scale it over the years and time and what I'm paying her, it's worth it. Because if I like, I I bring in seventy thousand dollars a month gross revenue, and that seventy thousand, ten percent of that is to run my operation would be seven thousand dollars if I paid a property manager. With those two ladies, I, I, I average around $4,500 to $5,000 a month. I can run my whole empire with a full-time handyman uh, roughly around seven to $8,000 a month. And I've realized over the years, I'm like, I'm done with maintenance. And so I'm trying to sell houses on terms, kind of like a Bob Dressman, who's a rock star. And I've been trying to follow him. And when my units are going vacant we are we are really assessing is it better to keep it as a rental or should we sell these on terms we do a contract for deed um but you know control the asset but not be in the day-to-day and so we've over the last year and a half we've been weeding that part out as well Mm because the maintenance is used to kill us Mm -hmm. hiring people firing people and it's just like there's it's just it's an endless battle Mm All right, so I think we have a picture of the people now. You've got the you've got these two folks who are kind of their office type people, and then you've got, of course, contractors that you hire on an as needed basis as 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 things right. happen. And the the other piece of this, and and you know, you, I appreciate you talking about what you spent on them because I think one of the hurdles that a lot of landlords have a hard time getting over is well the way i maximize what i'm making for my rentals Mm. is i don't spend any money on them right i do i do all the work it's not that i don't do repairs it's just that i do them myself and i take all the tenant calls myself and i do all the bookkeeping myself and i and it's not an easy way to live for sure and also also it's extremely it's extremely hard to scale up beyond a certain number of units yeah, I mean, look at look at look at your business. You have a wonderful girl named Sarah. You have some random girl that emailed me named Kai, and you have some <laughs> other girl named Christy that I've never. I mean, that's how you scale is because you only do what you're really good at. If you're really good at acquisition and finding properties and the hunt of the deal, that's great. I I like raising money and talking to banks and trying to grow as a person. And like I'm trying to get into commercial and I'm. You know, like I have some commercial, but like I'm talking $6 million strip center is what I'm trying to buy now. And it's beyond my scope. And I'm, that's where my best of use of my time is. If I learn how to do that, I can scale even bigger. But if I'm dealing with a lower level tenant that's tearing up the property that doesn't care about me, that will, won't even show up to court, what's the point of me wasting time? I, you know, that's why the cash for keys is a, is a true thing. It's like, 
look, we'll just give you your deposit back. It's just not going to work out. Like, we'll help you move on to the next person. Mm-hmm. And and I think the biggest thing is, is like people get hung up on the money. And, you know, I think it might be at, at a level where I, I used to be. It's like I used to bootstrap everything or save every dollar. But the way I think today is what if I did have capital and how could I use it properly? Would you be a better person if, you know, it was fun watching you on Facebook the other day when you were like, hey, I'm out looking for new uh, venues for Ohio Rhea. And I'm thinking that takes more capital and a lot big, big, but you know, it's behind you because you have a thousand people coming to your event. Okay. So that's capital. You, you, you have a cut that in half and let's just say 500, 300 people are coming to come and we can vet, you know, we can anticipate we're going to have this capital so we can, we can do a little bit more. I think some listeners need to be thinking, what would it look like if I wasn't so cheap and if I had more capital, which gave me more time to do more things, what would it look like? Sometimes I tell myself, I'm like, I'd rather make less money and have more time with my family. Mm-hmm. I mean, something's got to give. If you want to big to scale, then you might have to hire, outsource, or hire a better manager. I've just learned, I'm like, I'm done messing around with $15, $20 an hour handyman that are inconsistent. I'm looking for the 22 to $27 guy with a brand new truck that needs to make a payment that has insurance. You know, I'm looking for the, you know, I don't want the $150 an hour uh, TV electrician. I'm looking for the guy that just got a license. He's been working for three years at, for an apprentice and he's got, he's bonded and now he's charging $80 an hour to $110 an hour mm-hmm. and he's going to call me back or he, or a plumber I just hired uses technology to invoice me when he jumps off his GPS that if he's on the way to the property and it's tracking him. He has software that tracks him so you know the job is done. So we don't even have to talk to the guy and it texts us the bill. I mean, we don't have to, we have no communication with our contractors. How much time can you save? It's called on call. Mm-hmm. A job on call. I mean, I'll bring all this stuff up there when I see you guys. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just a mindset, honestly. And, you know, when when you grow up poor or when you grow up confused, no one teaches you real estate. You were lucky because you had a great family. But reality is, is like you need to let go to grow. It's like I learned at running. I had a coach tell me, Stephen, slow down so you could speed up. And for the last month, I've just, it's killing me. I'm, I'm running like so like I'm walking, but I know that I, I go further if I'm slower, my body's more acclimated mm-hmm. to the, to running. So I think in real estate, like slow down, like s- slowly outsource one thing, one time on Fiverr. Like you said earlier about the spreadsheet deal, like the, the duplicate, I know it's so funny cause we're similar in age and I'm like, yes, I had that problem spending hours weeding out duplicates. Well, hire someone to design a logo for you. Hire someone to do, you know, I don't know, to make your forms cleaner on your website. I, figure it out. But at least when you you could scale when you can leverage. How do you buy property through leverage? Well, how do you grow through leverage? You're 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 trusting the teacher. They have the knowledge. They're you're leveraging that teacher. You know, when I buy the Vena course of you know wholesale queen or diva, whatever your thing is, <laughs> goddess, and you know, I, I, 
that your, your 20 years of experience, 30 years of experience in a inexpensive course, just, I now I know how to wholesale. Now, am I good at it? No. Was I? Am I now? Ten years later? Yes. But I learned terminology like con- signing of a contract. No one teaches you that. How, what's an assignment mean? How does it work? How do you get paid? What's a double closing? Well, I learned that from Vina through her course. So I had, you know, I had to slow down to speed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, we're we're back at break time again. Now that I look up at the clock, I've been sitting here taking notes uh, on on what you were saying and some things I wanted to ask you. And we also have some listener questions, by the way, that we need to grab after the break. Uh, listeners, if you have questions, the number here in the studio is eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. Also, you can send an email. Just send it to askvina at gmail dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Stephen Van Cowenberg, who has alluded a couple of times to the fact that he's going to be here um, this year at the National uh, Real Estate Strategy Summit. Now, the reality is Stephen has been at the National Real Estate Strategy Summit for the last seven years running. He <laughs> he, uh, he, has, he was an attendee. Um, uh, he, he he sort of referenced there's a an event that happens there kind of simultaneously that is um, you have to you have to have been in the business for at least five years full time and done at least fifty deals and to get into it and it's a it's a mastermind that we call the Dealmaker Forum and he attended that for a number of years in a row and then. Um, uh, approached me a couple of years ago and said, "Hey, you know, I'm actually I'm actually starting to teach people stuff now about what I do." And I said, well, <laughs> "Send it over, and we'll take a look at it." And then he came and spoke the next year. He was an attendee, and then he became one of the presenters. And he's presenting again this year. And this year, he's got an all-day session on Thursday because he's got, as you can as you can tell. <laughs> He's got a lot of sort of built up knowledge and information and and strong opinions on uh the right way <laughs> the right way to develop and run a rental business so um it, we couldn't we couldn't figure out how to fit those opinions into ninety minutes so he's gonna do a full session on Thursday in a couple of weeks here on real life real estate we're going to uh talk about how real life real estate listeners can get ticket vip tickets to the event cheaper than everybody else by making cool. a pledge to the station so it's like this huge win-win station gets the money you get to come to this awesome event and steve's um steve's all day is included in the event admission so you, you actually have kind of a hard choice there because there's two other all day events as well there's uh robin thompson who of course is your greatly beloved uh rehab queen and then the third one is a, uh, it's called Solopreneur to Entrepreneur. And it is a guy that, uh, I'll interview him here on the station in a few weeks, but he is a traction implementer because we've been, uh, uh, Stephen, you, you, some, of the, some of the people you mentioned, Bob, and some of those folks who've been at the, at the uh, Advanced Academy have been here on the on this show and uh, on, in these interviews we call x-factor interviews that it's just like there's not a topic so much as just look you're super successful what are your philosophies what are your 
you know, how do you how do you like to operate your life? And every single one of the X Factor investors has mentioned traction. That 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 that's the that that's the system they operate under that book called Traction, and uh, so it's it's become such a huge thing in the real estate community that we we kind of went you know we we probably need to for people who haven't read the book or don't understand how to implement it we probably ought to have a, a an all day session and you know let somebody talk about the the vision part and the systems part and all that stuff so that's that's the third all day session anyway real life real estate listeners you can. Learn more about that in a couple of weeks, and if you're just looking for dates, location, speaker lineup, you can see it at uh, oreaconvention.com. It's O-R-E-I-A convention.com. I've got a couple of questions that have come in via email that I just want to get out of the way while we're kind of on another topic. Uh, The first one is from Lisa, who says, what does watering your condenser mean? I have a rental, and I've never heard of doing it. Well, we, this is crazy. This year, we our heat and air cost has gone down dramatically by doing preventative maintenance, and we encourage the tenants by taking a water hose and rinsing off the condenser unit, which throughout the year, it gets pollen, and there's cottonwood trees in Oklahoma, and just cleaning off of your condenser, it will... Um, are you guys still there? Yeah. Are we still here? Okay, sorry. <laughs> My phone beeped. And um, it will just help run, have the machine, the condenser, run more efficient. Hmm. So it's just a simple trick. You know, in Oklahoma, it's so hot right now. You can cool it off, and it just you got to make you got to maintain your stuff. Especially the biggest cost is HVAC in in the real estate. You're, mm-hmm. If you ever look at your numbers, where where you're losing money is HVAC, and so we're animal in we we make every tenant sign this one document that states if you if we come to your property your home that you're leasing from us and if the filter is dirty we will take a picture of it every person that works for us is required the first thing they do is walk into someone's home is go right to the filter and take a picture if it's dirty we will charge you a hundred and thirty dollar service fee because you must change out your air filter every month because it saves on drying up the a coil and a coil what cools your property i mean cools the the air that flows through your hvac system and of course i sound like some super hvac super landlord i've just died and lost a lot of money in this one little area of heat and air and i've realized to be successful in real estate you got to learn to find deals learn how to work with contractors and with this contractors is learn hvac not learn it i don't swap it out but learn how to maintain it or educate your tenants to maintain it for you and you will save a ton of money and and extend your furnace life because these high efficiency furnaces are, are are kind of famous for having like 10 to 12 year lifespans where the the, mm-hmm. the old ones were 30 years right like you put a furnace right. in it would last 30 years and part of the reason is they're a little finicky about um dirt and pollutants and to yeah. the to the to the extent that you can keep those to a minimum, you're going to extend the life of your thirty five hundred dollar furnace and central air um, unit. So uh, that that kind of little detail is yeah. is the sort of thing that like you you only you only get that from somebody who's been in the trenches, right? And who who's who's had one too many of those uh, replacements to do. 
which is what I love about talking to you. And you've also mentioned just just uh, on on the side a couple of other things that you do to make it make it easier to manage things both for you and also for your staff because it's not you know it's not your goal that your staff work 80 hours a week either we have a question here from jim about one of them that you mentioned you said again this was just a side comment you said we don't show units we just do lockbox showings and jim would like to know what that means so when someone first of all we try to push them to fill out an application we ask them when someone sends an inquiry about a property we ask them simple basic questions have you driven by the property when do you when do you want to move in and uh, who's going to be living with you so we kind of pre-qualify them to make sure that they're even qualified because or like oh yeah I want to move in in October well we're not going to show it to you so we give them the first hurdle the second hurdle is um, this property is going to go fast you create a sense of urgency please fill out an application it's free now we get their application. Now we have their social security number. Now we can at least track this individual. Then we text them and we state, yes, we, we're, you're able to see the property. We're not available at this time, but we can schedule a time for you to go look at it. And they're like, okay, four o'clock at three or tomorrow at four. And then we say yes. And then prior before that, we will call them and say, are you still coming? Yes. Here is the lockbox code. I, we can give you the lockbox code. We just need you to text us your driver's license. So they text us their driver's license, and then we send them the, the lockbox code, and then we let them we let them text us or c- call us when they enter the property and they leave, and we kind of you know give a sense of, hey, we don't normally do this. This is you know we're trusting you since we have your application, and all the years that we've been doing this, we haven't had any issues. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another uh, savvy way of doing it is you get sim- Simply Safe is a uh, portable alarm system and putting it's, it's uh, a minimal fee a month and they, you can have a keypad and it will text you when someone enters the property and you can give the, ten- the prospective tenant a random, you can change that code right then and you can constantly change it all the time. The problem that we have is that there's a our lockbox is that we kind of manually change them out every so often. There there is a lockbox and I don't have it on me. I think it's called codebox.com, which it automatically randomly changes every day and you can log in and it will tell you what that current. It's like an algorithm that it changes. So you'll they'll never save your uh, you'll never have the same access code more than once. And so. That's right. pretty savvy, and that's like we're talking pennies. Uh, like I could give you a cost perspective, I, I think it's way under ten dollars a month for the satellite for that box that does it. And it's and it's under like fifty dollars or less for. Um, I can give ranges, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I read I read your your email letter before I. <laughs> I'm trying not to say the price, but yes, yeah, let me. Let me just yeah. explain to listeners because because this is public radio. There are, uh, you know, we can't we can't like be promoting stuff or sounding like we're trying to or sell company. stuff. Yeah. And 
I, uh, I I always send a set of instructions to all of my guests beforehand that says, you know, this this is this is what it is, yada da da da. And so Stephen is trying to be like super careful about not not crossing those lines, which we appreciate. So I knew I knew I was going to learn something from you today, Stephen. Even though we've you know I've I've seen you speak before, I've actually got your course. Um, and the thing about the the lockboxes that change their own code that's that's going to be my takeaway for today because that is freaking awesome yeah. that you could <laughs> you could yeah, you, you could do that i mean it's like it's less than a cup of coffee a month and you log into their website and it's like it's attached to the serial number and it's an automatic algorithm that's built into the lockbox mm-hmm. so it's not even that one's not even that one's the cheaper one that's not synced to satellite. There's actually a satellite one that a lot of realtors use, which is like a, like a, you know, a little bit more like a movie ticket price. Um, but this one is like, it's like under a cup of coffee and you can buy this lockbox and that's it. And it, you log in and it just tells you what number it is. And you can te- you can have a text, you can have the app on your phone. And that's, that's a common thing. And then, then you never really, we still like once a week go buy the houses that are vacant and we just have a system in place that we just automatically do that for trash purposes to move the trash cans out for the, you know, yeah. and then check on the property. And of course, I found properties where windows were unlocked and um, we've had one house and I, we don't think it's from the lock boxes, but I've had a house hit and, and it's, it's just a specific house, but we've had minimal issues with giving people lock boxes. When someone gives you their ID you can lie about your social security number and we're not going to pull their credit on their application if they just fill it out. But when someone gives their ID and I have their fake or real social security number, they're going to really think about, you know, going into the property. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, the other thing to balance is, yeah, when I first started doing those lockbox showings, I was terrified that, it, you know, the, 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 appliances were going to walk out and the you know, yes. and and I and we've we've the only time that we've ever had things stolen out of the house it wasn't by people who had the lock boxes because they kicked the doors down yeah like it was really oh, yeah. obvious how they got in yeah. the the oh speaking of one thing speaking well, of the appliances let me, let me let me if I could finish my okay, sorry, if I could finish sorry. my thought the the um thousands of hours that it has saved me and my mm. property managers of not doing that thing where you make an appointment and you even call you even call the applicant and make sure they're coming and then you sit on the porch for an hour and they never show up uh, or or even if they do show up you know you spend 45 minutes or an hour showing it talking to them if I'd have had five refrigerators stolen I I would still be a win yeah well that that leads to like self-insuring when you're at a certain size but back to the appliances you just on a stove, you take that bottom thing out, the bottom drawer, and you bolt down the the stove because the stove is the quickest and lightest thing to steal because it's worth three to five hundred bucks. And refrigerators, neighbors could usually see refrigerators, but you can bolt those down too. We we put like a L bracket on the back side, and we bolt it down. Mm-hmm. So. That, I mean, that, that these are like ghetto, ghetto properties. Like we don't, we don't show any of them, and we don't have that many ghetto properties. We're in the process of kind of recycling our portfolio, uh-huh. or my portfolio. But so I had another question that came in from uh, this one is from Marion. Uh, you mentioned that you have people fill out applications before 
they get lockbox numbers. So this would be before they'd actually seen the property. And Marion is wondering whether a that is a that is any kind of uh, deterrent for people that that like they would be interested, but then they don't want to fill out the application first. And b yeah. if if this is being filled out online somewhere. Okay, great question. Um, first of all, we we advertise on the website. It's online that this is a free application, and then. So they have no no risk involved. And if they are deterrent of it, then we don't want them as tenants. They're not compliance. I love Jeffrey Taylor, and he's like, he has a compliance meter. If he gives them instructions and they don't follow it, they're not going to be good tenants. So if we ask them to fill out, if they're weary about their Social Security number, then we say don't put that on there. Um, but we, it's like our first test of compliance. Are they coherent enough to understand to fill that application? we I mean, of course, I can't give you quantified data because we don't know if they called in or they didn't fill it out. But in my mind, it's one little hurdle. If they can't fill that out, I really don't want them as tenants anyway. If they're really serious, like an out-of-stater, they may call us and they may come to the office and we'll give them a key, you know, if it works with the girls. But other than that, like, I don't I don't see it a major deterrent. But, you know, I guess there would be some you know, at a, if I had to guess, I would say probably 95%, 3% probably will move on. But that type of tenant is probably looking for the mom and pop uh, landlord that is loosey-goosey, doesn't know fair housing laws, and will get bit by a professional tenant. Mm-hmm. So we want to document these people that are entering your property. And if, you know, would you want a stranger coming into your home and looking around and casing the place? I would, I mean, I would stand at the door like a nightclub, but you can't get into a nightclub without showing your ID. We just, you know, we just treat people in, in a professional manner and that this is just how we do. This is our policies and procedures. If you think, you know, then go run an apartment somewhere. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be flippant about it, but I, I agree with what she's saying. And it's a great question, but we really haven't you know, we, we don't have many, many vacancies at all, mm-hmm. if that can help her. Yeah. And I think that I think that a while back, um, like I was concerned about things like uh, having people fill out online applications, because with my low income properties, I was concerned that a, a lot of good potential applicants might not have access to a computer <laughs> or whatever. And then <laughs> I, as I've, as I've, you know, as time Obama. has passed, yeah, we've got you know, we've there's 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 computers in every library. Most people have smartphones yeah. where they can yeah, fill out an application. Yeah, it's like I, I just if you're if you're force feeding or I don't know glad I don't know what the terminology is, but if you're if they're not comfortable, they're not comfortable paying their rent online. I I, I prefer. I mean, there's some way better landlords than me. That like I talked to a guy in Rockford, Illinois, that none he doesn't receive any checks it all automatically debits into their account he makes their tenants go to his bank and make a deposit so he he you know i don't know if they can't fill out an application i i don't think they're they're going to be able to be paying their rent online i don't think they're going to be are they got something to hide are we going to find their eviction and that's exactly what we want to do we want as soon as we see their application we run it in our own matrix our own personal processes of checking them on court documents, 
checking them on eviction rolls, checking them on um, as much as information as that we can pull without spending a ton of money. And then when they're committed, we ask for a $35 application fee, and that basically pays for their background check, which does a, a countrywide background check, sex, and uh, any in their regular credit report. And then so we've found that, yes, if you ask people to fill out an application and pay a fee, you will lose all of your tenants but if you at, or prospects. But if you say our applications are free to fill out, and if we, after we review your application, which could take one to three hours, no more than 12 hours, then we will ask you for a deposit or an application to run your – and so it just creates a hurdle that's safe enough for us. We, we want compliant people. Well, Scott, unfortunately, we are out of time, so I'm going to have to direct people okay. again to listen to the show in a few weeks, get signed up for the summit so they can spend the whole day with you, because the whole day is basically like this. It's basically ideas for how to make a rental business run more easily. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.